hello and welcome to Bearing Fruit, a podcast brought to you by the Washington State Tree Fruit Association. I am your host, Bob Larson, and this is episode one of Bearing Fruit that will be made available at least once a month, perhaps more if news of the day dictates. So if you're ready, sit back, relax, and enjoy as we do our best to bring you the latest news from the tree fruit industry here in Washington State. Today, we will kick things off by giving you some, let's call them timely teases for the upcoming 117th Washington State Tree Fruit Association Annual Meeting and Northwest Hort Expo, coming up here in just a couple of weeks, December 6th, 7th, and 8th at the Yakima Convention Center. Coming up a bit later, we will be chatting with some of the speakers from this year's meeting, but joining me right now, as he will every month, is WISTFA President John Devaney. Welcome to Bearing Fruit, John. Thank you, Bob. So, John, tell us, since this is the first of what we hope to be many Bearing Fruit podcast episodes, what are you hoping that Bearing Fruit will provide the WISFA membership, or for that matter, anybody who's just interested in learning about or hearing the latest in tree fruit industry news? Yes, this is something that we've been thinking about for a while. There are a lot of issues facing our industry and that we want to keep our growers, packers, and marketers uh, fully up to speed on. We also want to make sure that what's going on in our industry is understood by the broader community of local residents, policymakers, and anyone interested in what's going on in the tree fruit industry. We've tended to do that in the past with written reports, detailing what's going on in a memo kind of format sent out electronically or, or previously in a paper format. And what we're finding is that that doesn't really work in today's busy world. You know, that's a good way to absorb really large amounts of detailed information. But if you just want the quick summary of what's going on, electronic or recorded format really can work a lot better for them. A lot of our growers and packers and all of their employees tend to do a lot of business from the road. If you're driving from one orchard to another, Sitting down to read a memo is probably not in the cards. You really want to be able to have something that you can listen to and interact with from wherever you happen to be. But, John, you've got to agree, there will undoubtedly still be folks out there who either aren't comfortable with high-tech gadgets and things like podcasting, or they simply just prefer having a hard copy newsletter to scan over. Can I still get the newsletter if that's my preference? Absolutely. This is in addition to, not instead of. We want to make sure that we're providing the options that work for our members. So this is additive and not a replacement for the kinds of communications we've been doing in the past. Oh, that's great. Something for everybody, I guess. So, John, on this first episode here later in the podcast, we will be taking a closer look at the upcoming 117th WISFA Annual Meeting and Northwest Hort Expo. And if I haven't said so already, that's coming up December 6th, 7th, and 8th in Yakima. And we'll be speaking with some of this year's speakers, including geopolitical strategist Peter Zion, who will talk about what's happening to the economy over the past year and a half and how many challenges the tree fruit industry is facing these days are impacting growers here. We'll also be chatting with one of the other speakers, Mike Willett, who is now semi-retired but has spent decades in the Washington tree fruit industry and understands the challenges that everybody's facing, but still remains pretty optimistic about the industry moving forward. So, John, as we delve into these podcasts, these are the kinds of things that are really going to help the folks understand more of what's going on in the industry and what they need to do or, or actually how to navigate their way through it all. Is, is that about right? Yeah, the, the focus of all of the content we provide, whether it's updates on what's going on in Olympia or Washington, D.C., updates what's going on in the industry, or horticultural and scientific information coming out of the research community, 
our effort is to give folks actionable information. It's not just to tell you that bad things are happening. That doesn't really do you a lot of good. The point is to talk about, okay, here's the problem. What are some possible solutions? What do you need to know? How might you need to change your strategy? So both at our annual meeting and, and at the Horde Expo, I should say, because most of our vendors are, are solutions oriented as well. The focus is on how can we get you information that's going to help you and your farm business. Oh boy, and I've got to think that everybody is really looking forward to this, especially after last year's annual meeting and just about everything else for that matter was held virtually. This will be a big relief for a lot of folks here in our state and in the tree fruit industry. It is. You know, I think we've all learned how to make the online format work for us sometimes. And that has been a godsend when we've been unable to meet in person during COVID. But it is not a panacea. It doesn't allow us to do everything that makes for a really successful conference or meeting. It, it does constrain some of that individual interaction. And as people have gotten a little too comfortable with some of these online formats, more and more we see that you know the staring at a blank screen as everyone mutes their mics and turns off their cameras <laughs> means that you can't have the kind of interaction that you can have when you really look someone in the eye and ask them for their honest opinion about something. So having this kind of in-person meeting again while still offering an online streaming option for those who aren't able to come for whether it's because of travel or COVID restrictions is going to make sure that we're trying to meet all members of our industry where they are in a way that works for them so that they have access to this information and to each other. And as you mentioned, John, the online and streaming versions of that uh, bearing fruit will also be one of those options for folks and hopefully make their industry news gathering a little easier moving forward. Exactly. And we're hoping that as members learn more about what's going on and what we can tell them, they will take the opportunity to communicate back to us about what they need and what their concerns are. Communication is two-way, and we want to make sure that we're getting the information out to our members and really inviting them to provide more feedback to us about how we as their association can be helping them overcome the challenges that they're facing. And that is fantastic. Thanks so much for joining me here, John, on our very first episode of Bearing Fruit, and I look forward to doing this again next month. Bob, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Well, absolutely. Thanks, John. So now our first official guest here on Bearing Fruit is Jordan Matson. Jordan is the production manager out at Matson Fruit in Sela. He's also the chairman of this year's Washington State Tree Fruit Association annual meeting and Northwest Hort Expo, meaning he's responsible for all of the great things we're going to see here in a couple of weeks. Jordan, welcome to Bearing Fruit. Well, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Okay, so talk to us. We we have the annual meeting and Northwest Hort Expo coming up here in a couple of weeks, December 6th, 7th, and 8th at the Yakima Convention Center. The past couple of years, as we all know, uh, have been very frustrating. Last year, we didn't get to do this annual meeting in person, so it's it's got to be a big relief for you and the rest of the folks working on this to actually get back face-to-face and make contact with a lot of the folks that, uh, frankly, we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, it's great. We uh, we always like having the Hort Show, and part of it's to hear the great speakers and see the uh, awesome things out there that the industry is doing and things you can buy and spend all your awesome money on. But a lot of it's also out in the hallways talking with your friends, your peers, and going, hey, did you listen to the talk there at 145? No, I didn't. What did they say? And you kind of talk about it and, and uh, kind of plan on how you're going to implement it or uh, – variations of it. It's a great opportunity. And last year, we really missed not having it. So we're excited to be able to have it this year. There will be some extra hoops to jump through. Right now, it's going to require a 
proof of vaccination or a negative test result within 72 hours, but that could all change. But yeah, we are excited. Uh, one thing I would like to comment that's not just my show, there's a whole planning committee and team of session managers helping put this together along with the awesome staff that John Devaney has at the Washington State Tree Food Association. So well, I may have the title, it's a group effort, and I really appreciate all the awesome support and help I've gotten on this this year. Oh, well, that's great. And like I was mentioning before, it's been the last year and a half, oh, gosh, almost two years now. Uh, it's been a huge challenge with all of the pandemic COVID-related hoops we've had to jump through. So I imagine this year the speakers at the meeting will be talking about a lot about that and how it's impacting our supply chain and just all of the different challenges that have been thrown in our way and the tree fruit industry's way over the past couple of years and how what we can rebound from that. Yes. So on that, I mean, some organizations are still discouraging uh, in-person meetings. So some of our presenters will be presenting through Zoom. Now, we will still be there in person, the attendees, but there will be some uh, attending virtually, presenters, that is. Our Monday presentation will be having Peter Zion speak, and he will especially be talking about the global supply chain and the impacts COVID has had on that supply chain. The Wednesday session will be focusing in on some of the HR implements of our industry, and we'll touch on some of those issues of COVID in that meeting as well. So are you hearing anything through the grapevine from the folks you talk to saying how much they're looking forward to the Horde Expo and, you know, looking forward to seeing familiar, friendly faces once again? Every person I speak to is really excited to be coming to these, the show in person. They're, they're happy that we're still having it. My company, Mass and Fruit Company, we're going to have probably the largest group attend we've ever had. So I'm personally really excited. Yep, and as am I. And so for the folks who have yet maybe to register or maybe are unfamiliar with the registration process for the Horde Expo, what do they need to do? Uh, who, how, how do they go about it? Well, there's a couple ways you can go about it. The easiest, I think, is go to the website, which is www.wsd.com. TSA.org, and you can uh, find a spot there for the annual meeting. There's a registration form. Um, there's an email address for Joanne, and there's a phone number you can call, and she's more than happy to take your registration info or answer questions you might have. Wow, that's great. So is there anything new at the Expo this year that folks should be aware of or that you, you might recommend they check out? The Yakima Convention Center went through an update grade and it's a little bit larger so we're going to have a larger trade show there in Yakima than in prior years. We will still have the Sun Dome open for the trade show as well. The overall format of the meeting is similar to what we saw in 2019 with the slash research sessions there Monday afternoon. It's a three-day event. There's a leadership luncheon on Monday and there's a banquet Tuesday night supporting WAFE, Washington Apple Education Foundation. And so for all of the folks out there in the tree fruit industry who are just, you know, chomping at the bit to get back to those in-person meetings, you're encouraging everybody in the industry to join us December 6th, 7th, and 8th in Yakima. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I think it's, it'll be a great program. It's a good opportunity to learn some of the research that's being done on our behalf and uh, hear some outlooks for the overall economy of the world, United States, Washington, and uh, nothing else, it's a great time to network with your friends. 
Absolutely. Well, I have no doubt that everybody is looking forward to it. Thank you, Jordan, for joining us here on Bearing Fruit, our very first Washington State Tree Fruit Association podcast. And we look forward to seeing you in Yakima in a couple of weeks. And so joining me now on the line is one of our featured speakers for this year's WISPA annual meeting, geopolitical strategist Peter Zion. Welcome to Bearing Fruit, Peter. Great to be here. So my first question for my listeners, of course, what exactly is a geopolitical strategist? What do you do? (laughs) It's my job to help people understand not just how the world works, but how it will impact them in the future. Uh, At my former job, I spent 12 years with a team building the constellation of how uh, everything fits together and how if you pull one string in one country, it affects a sector in a different country. Uh, And when I left, I took the staff with me and I took that map off the wall. And now I just peel out sections of it as are relevant for the people who are in front of me. Oh, okay. Well, and that is relevant for the folks who work in the tree fruit industry as well. So as I mentioned, you are one of the featured speakers at this year's WISTFA annual meeting. What should folks give us a little tease, if you will, of what folks should expect to hear when they uh, when they come to hear you talk? Well, as I'm sure you've noticed, there's no shortage of crazy in the world right now, from the American political system to what's going on with trade tensions to COVID and disruptions. So we're going to focus on the two aspects of that that have the most impact for the folks in the room. So piece number one is what is going on with supply chains. We've got problems in transport. We have problems in production. We've got whiplashing demand patterns on our side of the Pacific. And we're about to have significant breakdowns in production on the western side of the Pacific. You add it all up, and we should not expect the current uh, supply chain issues that we're facing to clear up before the end of next year at the absolute earliest, more likely the end of 2023. So this is not an issue that's for the short haul. This is something you shouldn't just wait to, to turn around and get over. It's something you really need to plan for alternatives because it's not going to get better anytime soon. And we're also, it's no secret, around the world, not just here in the Pacific Northwest, but everyone's been for the last, what, going on two years now dealing with a COVID pandemic. And you'll be touching on that a bit as well? Absolutely. A lot of these disruptions, especially the demand whiplash and the imminent supply breakdowns in East Asia, are all because of COVID. Every time we have a lockdown, every time we have an opening, Every time we have a mass vaccination event, every time we have a mass anti-vaxxer event, every single one resets what our demand is. And it takes a year for manufacturing supply chains to adapt to that. So until we're all more or less on the same page as regards COVID, and we all agree that it's behind us, this is our normal. Wow, that's amazing. I I think most people would like to think of it as a little more short-term than that. But yeah, that's that's eye-opening. And international trade. I know folks domestically love our apples and cherries and pears and all of our tree fruit for that matter. But we also need to export a lot of our goods as well. And that doesn't sound like it's going to be easy. Depends upon where you're going. There are certain parts of the world that are going to adapt very, very well to the changes that are coming in energy and trade and demographics. Uh, And if you're selling into those markets, you know, honestly, the sky's the limit. And because of NAFTA, courtesy of the last administration, we now have an updated agreement with what is going to be the fastest growing consumer market in the world, and that's Mexico. And anyone who does not have a substantial footprint in Mexico already, honestly, is missing out. 
There's room for growth. There's going to be room to, for growth for decades, but it will be the single most important export market we have for a very long time. On the flip side, uh, I've been telling people in agriculture that if you've been betting on China, if you've been betting the farm on China, we're getting very close to the point where you might lose the farm. For reasons demographic and financial and political and trade and ethics and populism, uh, that market is going to close to collapse in the next couple of years. And we are very close to the break point. Wow. And when you say collapse, are you speaking from a U.S. export side or just the Chinese market in general? Uh, both, actually. Uh, the Chinese have decided for political reasons that they never want to be dependent upon the United States for anything. So as long as there is any market anywhere in the world that can supply them with a product, they will go with the non-American option first. So American producers are always at the back of the line, and they will remain at the back of the line until such time as the Chinese have hoovered up every other scrap of whatever the product happens to be. That's just basic state policy now. It's not going to change. Uh, but also, I don't see the Chinese system writ large surviving much longer. The Chinese are the country that is most dependent upon American involvement in the world to keep the sea lanes open so they can get the resources in and the product out. And without the United States playing world policemen, there is nothing about the Chinese economic model that will last. Wow. Well, well, in a nutshell, that is what geopolitical strategist Peter Zion will be talking with us about December 6th, 7th, and 8th at the Yakima Convention Center. And I have no doubt, Peter, that this will give people plenty of time to put some questions together because they will want to hear all about this because we are, after all, export reliant to a certain extent, some more than others. And the folks are really going to want to hear more about this, I am sure. Well, thank you again for joining us, Peter, on the Bearing Fruit podcast. And we look forward to seeing you in just a couple of weeks in Yakima. Can't wait. So turning a page here, or just switching phone lines, actually, our next guest is longtime Northwest tree fruit professional, Mike Willett, who is now semi-retired. Welcome to Bearing Fruit, Mike. My pleasure, Bob. So we're all a little jealous. How is uh, retirement treating you? Well, uh, according to to uh, people that I'm close to, I'm actually too, I'm not really retired, uh, and that I'm way busier than they think I should be. So, uh, uh, I, I guess that that means that it's going great. Well, and much like this, you will be one of the featured speakers at the annual meeting in Yakima in a couple of weeks. So now you've got an extensive background in the Northwest tree fruit industry, like we mentioned before. What should all of the folks who will be attending expect to hear from you? Well, I, I think people should know that uh, uh, the chairman of the meeting, Jordan Matson, called me and asked me to talk because he said that there weren't that many people still left around that remembered all the things I do. So I, I guess one of the things we'll think about is, you know, where we've come from in the industry and the challenges that we've faced over the last 40 or 50 years. Well, Mike, and that's been a very long time, but the past couple of years have been different than probably anything we've ever seen. So has that changed your view of the industry in any way? Well, you know, Bob, I, I first connected with the tree fruit industry in the Northwest back in the uh, summer of 1973 when I picked apples in north central Washington uh, in an industry that was largely composed of relatively small growers, um, and particularly up north, uh, uh, joined together in co-ops. And uh, particularly uh, over the last 40 years, there's been an inexorable move towards larger and larger operations. And uh, 
driven by the economics and the structure of uh, our customers' uh, businesses. So what have you seen in recent years? I mean, how the industry has developed. It's changed a lot since then, obviously. I'm assuming much of it has been for the better? Well, I think the industry's changed uh, because it had to. And uh, I think that's kind of a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, I'm not sure I'm the one that should make a judgment call about whether it's good or bad, but it has changed. And uh, I think, though, that the industry uh, still is going to end up responding to all these challenges the same way it always has by utilizing the people that uh, that are here and really high quality people and new technologies that the industry itself has developed or that it is adapted from other places. Right. But as we've seen, especially the past couple of years, things can really turn on a dime and it's always difficult to make predictions. But do you have any kind of picture of where you see the industry headed as we, uh, as we move forward from this? Well, I, I can say, Bob, that I was, I was really disappointed with uh, the uh, uh, really difficult times we've had with uh, trade uh, with China uh, over the past few years, uh, uh, primarily because a lot of those markets opened up uh, during the time I worked for organizations whose responsibilities were to work on trade issues. And as a matter of fact, the uh, uh, changes that opened up the Apple market in China to us uh, really had just come into effect uh, before uh, the uh, U.S. government uh, uh, imposed a number of tariffs on the Chinese on Chinese products, and then they counteracted with tr- with tariffs on on a lot of our agricultural products from the United States, and um, it really uh, uh, dampened our ability to do business. And then, on top of that, the whole supply chain challenges that people are facing now, which I think will get sorted out, uh, but uh, but I think we've entered a new phase of our relationship with China, and I just don't know if it's going to be as rosy as uh, we once had thought it might have been uh, five, six, seven years ago. And if I'm not mistaken, you have uh, spent quite a bit of time over there and seen firsthand what we're actually dealing with when we're talking about trade with the folks in China. Sounds like it's going to be a rough road ahead. Well, I've been to China a lot working on on our ability to move products into China from cherries to pears to to uh, uh, expanding the mar- the access uh, in the market for apples. Um, but uh, as we've changed in the U.S. Uh, to be able to provide large volumes of product from individual producers and individual marketing organizations, the Chinese are also looking at uh, expanding how they do business on, on their side of the apple market, which traditionally in China with small, very small growers growing Fuji apples. And what we saw the last time I was there was that the Chinese government is investing significant amounts of money to create larger and larger operations in China. Uh, and um, they, a lot of those orchards look like orchards you might see right here in Washington State. And so uh, how that gets sorted out is a, a question. In a country with as many people as there are in China, you would think the folks over there weren't, wouldn't be worried about labor, but in these larger farming operations, which are 20 times larger or more than the traditional 
apple growing operation in China. Uh, they're worried about having enough labor in some of those places. And um, they're also faced with uh, challenges. They um, have um, are going to be faced with fire blight uh, at some point in parts of China, which are more similar to the eastern United States than the western U.S. And so how they address that challenge, how they address the challenge of codling moth, which is spreading through the uh, country, is all going to determine how much of a competitor they are for us in the high value markets we're looking for. So they're still maybe a little bit lower on the learning curve, sounds like? Well, you know, they uh, have a lot of money, but that a lot of money has been provided to them by the Chinese government. And uh, um, they're making uh, large plantings. And uh, when you do that and you're still learning about what works and what doesn't work, you're very likely going to be able to make some mistakes. And uh, we saw some places where, things they had done probably and they recognized it just didn't work out the way they thought they were um but uh, a lot of the people we met there uh that particularly the technical class of people who were working on these larger newer orchards were really well-trained people and uh smart they you know given the opportunity they could they were going to be able to figure things out uh, uh and so you know just a matter of time uh and how that but I can't predict the future about what that's going to mean for the broader world Apple market. But uh, but their situation is changing, and I think we need to be aware of that. Well, and there you have it. That is Mike Willett. He will be joining us at the upcoming annual meeting here in a couple of weeks in Yakima. We really hope that you can join us and listen to more of what Mike has to say, and be sure and have your questions ready. That said, Mike... Thanks again for joining us on Bearing Fruit, and we will see you in Yakima in a couple of weeks, December 6th, 7th, and 8th. Absolutely. My pleasure, Bob. And that just about wraps things up for our first ever Bearing Fruit podcast, brought to you, of course, by the Washington State Tree Fruit Association. Join us again next month for our next episode in December when we bring you more important news about the Washington State Tree Fruit Association and the industry in general. Hope to see you all at the WISTFA annual meeting in Northwest Hort Expo in Yakima in a couple of weeks. Until then, I'm Bob Larson wishing you all a very happy Thanksgiving.